Why Do We Build Networks in Network Engineering with Jordan Martin, Episode 80. In this podcast episode, we are going to pull back the curtains. We are going to answer why do we truly build networks in network engineering. I'm joined today by my good friend, Jordan Martin, and he's going to help me provide answers, perspectives, and understanding to why we even build these networks in the first place. Hey, welcome back, my friends, nerds, geeks, and ziglets out there. We have another episode of the Zigbits Network Design Podcast, where zigabytes are faster than gigabytes. We strive to provide real-world context around technology. What's up, everybody? I hope everyone is doing great. Zig Ziga here, and welcome to episode 80 of the Zigbits Network Design Podcast. Once again, my name is Zig Ziga, and I'm here to help you with that network engineering network design, and network architecture. And today, we're going to go back to the basics. We're going to go back in time. We are answering the question, why do we even build networks in the first place? I'm super excited about this show, and I hope you enjoy it. So today's guest, Jordan Martin. Jordan is a 20-plus year veteran in IT infrastructure. He has spent the largest portion of his career working in enterprise IT shops, growing from a broad generalist into a focus on network engineering and architecture. The last six years of his career or so have been working in the VAR space. That's a value-added reseller or partner space. And initially, he was doing delivery and now making that transition to a full-time architecture role. He is currently a technical solutions architect on the global engineering team at Worldwide Technology. His areas of focus can broadly be summarized as enterprise networking that includes wired, wireless, wide area networks, and most recently, he's been spending quite a bit of time on cloud networking. Now, outside of the day job, Jordan Martin is the host of the Network Collective podcast. He is coming up on a four years of running the Network Collective podcast. We finally got him on the show today. Now, just a quick blurb about Network Collective podcast, right? If you don't know about it, I would go go take a listen at some of those episodes that are out there. The Network Collective Podcast is truly an awesome platform. Um, Jordan has several regular released podcast series going on, as well as a weekly live stream that they just added. Go check out Network Collective. Jordan has some outstanding content, truly outstanding content on this platform that honestly all network engineers should, should leverage. Well, enough of me yapping here. Jordan, my friend, thank you for joining me today. Welcome to the show. How are you doing? Hey, Zig. I am, I am, I'm actually feeling really good. I put out a tweet just a few minutes ago, um, I, and I was preparing for this conversation that we're about to have, and I realized it's been a very long time since I have sat in the guest chair on a podcast. And this is the first time I'm on your podcast, which is a shame. It should have happened a long time ago. That's on me, not on you. That's not a complaint. Um, but I am really excited to be here. Um, things could not be better. How are you doing, Zig? Oh, hey, thanks for throwing that question back at me. I'm doing great, man. Um, I love doing this stuff, so I'm happy to get on the well, on, on the podcast, on the phone, but we're not on the phone. Um, you know, on, on our microphones, our, our you know phones away from our phones. Um, and, and record something, right? And have a conversation uh, that I think is important. But, you know, real quick, you know, I, I do take some fault in not having you on the show. I, I do take some fault in that. You know, I, I think I overlooked it at times. I think we might have ca- talked about it a couple times here and there in the past. And it just, I think it just slipped my mind. And then I don't know what it was a couple of weeks ago. I was like, I've never had Jordan on the phone or on the phone. Wow. I'm stuck on the phone thing. <laughs> I've never had Jordan on the podcast. That's a problem. I got to, I got to fix that problem. So um, I'm glad we were able to get this scheduled and, and we can have this conversation. You know, I think it'll be good. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, man. Thanks. Hey, real quick. Um, I know you run your own show. I want to go ahead and talk a little about that real quick. Just to kind of let everyone know what it is and, and what you guys cover and how they can go ahead and listen to your show. So yeah, so I'm coming up on four years uh, here in a month or so of running the Network Collective podcast. Uh, it, it is exactly how it sounds. I was not subtle in naming it. I wanted to make sure that people understood what it was. Uh, it's all about network engineering, and it's all about building a community around network engineers. And so we talk about the technology. We talk about um, some of the work and career stuff as it relates to like how to navigate a network engineering career. And then uh, on the back end, we do some other stuff, cool stuff too. So for those who support the show, we have a Slack 
Um, and it's a really, really great um, community of engineers who get together and talk like all day, every day, both about networking and about other stuff. It's just people who have, you know, shared common interests, which is really, really great. And we just started a live stream that we're doing weekly. That's uh, that's been a lot of fun. Uh, Tony E or Tony Afantis or on Twitter, he's at show IP interface brief. Um, he is he is my co-host and, and my partner in crime for getting the stuff done. And so we have uh, we have a lot of fun doing that. That's that's awesome. So everyone, I will have the show. Uh, I will have the links to all of that stuff. Network Collective, um, Jordan's uh, content information, and then Tony's content information. So you can go and follow them. Join the Slack. Talk about networking stuff. Talk about whatever you need to with these guys. They've built a community. Uh, I've been in the community for probably the four years that you've had it. Um, as soon yeah, as you you've been on up, almost you know, the whole time. You know, not that I'm active every day because I wouldn't get anything done if I was in Slack every day. So got to be very <laughs> clear. But, but I am there, and I will occasionally pop in and say hi and whatnot. Uh, but I don't know about you, but in every group these days, like I can't focus on so many different groups that are out there. So I, I try to prioritize like an hour to do it, you know? So, yeah, um, you, you really have to, you really do have to measure it. You, you have to be careful about how much time you spend, uh, in those things. Cause I mean, it's fun, right? It's enjoyable to have conversations with other people. And, and again, it's not just networking. It's oftentimes things that are, you know, tangential. Uh, we, you know, we've been having a lot of fun with all the stock market craziness and talking about that. We've been having fun. We watched, uh, SN nine with, uh, uh, go up and, and come down in a ball of flames today, right? So like this is, uh, yeah. you know, there's all kinds of other people that share common interests. And so like if you aren't careful about it, you could spend all your time there. And especially when you run one, you have to be really careful because there's a, a sense of obligation. Like I want to be part of it and, and guiding this community and, and making sure that it's uh, continuing to be valuable. But at the same time, like I've got a day job. This is a night. This is a side job too. You got a day job. You got a yeah. side job. You got the family, right? It all adds up. Yeah. I, I feel your pain. I run a Discord server for for Zigbits, and I like it's time consuming, man. Like I don't, I don't, I don't mean to be rude. I popped in earlier today and said, "Hey, uh, I think I did a message about the giveaway that we did in January," and I said who the winner was, and I was like, "Okay, I'm going back to my cave. Bye, guys." Um, and I left like, like because I, I know if I stick in there for more than 20 minutes or an hour, like even if an hour, I'm going to be in there all day, like honestly, and I'm, I'm not going to get anything else done. So no offense was, to anyone. Was your Jan- yeah. Was your January giveaway the four books? I saw that going around. Yeah. So it was the four uh, network design books. So there's a whole bunch in there and uh, a lady by the name of Diane uh, Leanne. Uh, I don't know her full last name. It's Diane L. Uh, sorry, Diana L. Um, she won, she won the four network awesome. design books, you know? So, uh, I reached out to her via email and hopefully we'll hear from her soon and get those over to her and she can hopefully nice. start her, you know, network design learning because I'm telling you, those books are critical right there. I mean, there's everything that you need to go after network design and, and the CCDE if you really want to focus on that too. I got to play a very small role in one of those books and I learned very quickly that I didn't want to anything to do with writing or <laughs> doing a book. <laughs> you don't know what you don't know about book writing, man. It's crazy. There's a lot of yeah. stuff you have to do. Um, on the giveaway front, I hate to plug things, but I've learned that you have to plug oh, please things, do. right? Um, so we have a new giveaway this month. Oh, I don't know if that'll happen this month, but hey, I'll just say, uh, you know, if you want to see the latest giveaway, go to zigbits.tech slash giveaway. Um, and I don't know what March is going to be in 2021 yet. If this is February still when this launches, um, it is our dev app, DevOps, DevNet focused um, giveaway. It's all about automation and programmability. And we're giving away five books uh, in this giveaway. That's awesome. Yeah, man. Yeah. I got to figure out the March giveaway. So if you have any ideas there, Jordan, on that, let me know. I'm giving, <laughs> doing a giveaway every well, month in 2021. Well, think about it. We're, we're, we're kind of going through the same thing because we're, we're running some contests on our live stream and, and running the contest on the live stream. Like we want to have something that's nice to give away. Um, but when you do a live stream every week, it can't be that expensive. <laughs> like we got to be careful about what we choose to give away because while, while we do make a little bit of money doing the podcast, it's not a lot, right? So um, but, uh, we got some cool stuff coming up too. Like we got some coffee cups with some fun logos, nice. network collective, but not just network collective, but some other stuff like that's coming. And, um, I think there's, there's some more stuff in the works that I'm excited about. So no, that's awesome, man. Yeah. We've got to, we got to give back to the communities, right. That we build. So as much as we yeah, can. Yeah. yeah. So that's what it's all about. Honestly, like mm-hmm. there's money on the side of this. So everyone knows, but honestly, it's not money for us. Like, and I, I'm, I'm talking for Jordan for a minute here, but it's not about money. It's about giving back to this community. And helping everyone. And I think that's what <laughs> if I did it for money, I would have been out a long time <laughs> <Yeah>. ago. <laughs> Jeez, my wife would have kicked me out a long time ago. She's like, You're not making any money with this. Get out. Yeah, for sure. So 
Thanks for joining. Um, uh, why don't you go into a little bit background on on who you are, what you think is important about your experience, certifications, where you work today, and then we'll kind of kick it into why do we build networks in network engineering. All right. We'll start with the least important thing. I'm a CCIE um, in, in that. And, and I say that least important thing because uh, certifications without experience is whatever. You know, it, it means something, but I'm not quite sure what it means. Um, so start there. So I, I do have some uh, experience taking tests and, and going down that road of getting certifications. So you took uh, the eight hour that, lab exam, you passed it and you moved on. I so took I it a couple you. of times, like most people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I have, I have a fair amount of experience with that lab, but yeah. So anyway, um, uh, so beyond that, like I've been working in uh, IT infrastructure for over 20 years. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, I'm mean, like I sound really old when I say that. Yeah, I probably when you, am you hit really that twenty year mark, that. man. Like it, I say it every day, and I'm like, man, twenty years. Oh, shoot. yeah, twenty years. Like all of a sudden, I'm that old guy that I used to used to say, "Wow, he's been doing this for a lot longer than me." <laughs> uh, but the largest portion of that I spent working in enterprise IT shops, uh, different different you know stripes, different types. Um, and I went from, you know, I grew from being a broad generalist into a focus on network engineering. So the focus on network engineering and architecture, probably the past ten years. Um, for the past six years or so, I've worked in the VAR space. I initially was doing delivery, and now I'm doing pure architecture, um, conversations, design, lab, that type of stuff. Um, the role that I'm in now, I'm a technical solutions architect on the global engineering team at Worldwide Technology, uh, focusing on things like enterprise networking, but spending a lot of time lately in cloud networking and some of the overlay tech there, which is a lot of fun. Uh, and we talked about we talked about my other gig, right? It's the other thing I do yeah, with my yeah, time, yeah. which is network collective. So we won't we won't belabor that at all. Yeah. So you do the network, you do the podcast stuff ninety percent of your time. Everything else is like that extra ten percent, right? Like you spend most of your time. <laughs> I'm kidding. Yeah, I'm totally I don't, kidding. I, don't think it works out that way. No, I was it was starting to do the math on how much time I was doing on network collective, and it was starting to get close to what my day job was. And I'm like, okay, eighty hours a week plus. Yeah. Is probably not good, so I had to scale it back a bit. Um, and you got to work smarter, and so yeah, you got to <laughs> automate sure. things. Automation, I got to automate yep. things. <laughs> it's a lot of work, man. So hey, okay, thanks for you know the background. I just want to set the kind of lay of the land, let everyone know yeah, who you are, what you are. I mean, most people are probably going to know who you are, just being fully transparent. Um, I don't assume right. that. So I'm going to just open up with this question, right? Why do we build networks in network engineering? So, I mean, I think that that's a, it's a, you know, it's a question that I think if you ask 10 people, you're going to get 10 different answers. <laughs> and I also think that uh, it really depends on how far you are abstracted away from what you're looking at. I think that when we talk about this, like, I think it's important to recognize the level of what you're talking, because I think there's some confusion as we talk about why networks and what networks are for and, you know, the way we apply technology to networks. So let me, let me share just some general thoughts. So if I take it from like the upper levels, we're talking like an 80,000 foot view. Networks are really simple. Um, you know, networks are there. They're, they enable enhanced communication. Like, <laughs> like at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. It's about connecting people and it's about connecting things, right? So that's the very, very broad, broad view, right? But when you come down to 30,000 foot view, all of a sudden you start realizing, well, while that's true, there's some differentiators. My home network is nothing like my business network, right? Like they're, they're very different yes. beasts. And then I think about the different business networks that I've worked in. And especially once I started consulting, the different business networks that I have gone in and consulted in. And they all are doing different things because they're all meeting different business objectives. Now, the thing is they're using the same technologies, right? But ultimately at the end of the day, they're trying to meet business objectives. If if, if the teams are disciplined and good, that's what they're doing. And if they're not, that's your room to grow is to get there. Now, as you start getting closer to those specific networks, uh, you start really, you know, honing in on the unique value that communication brings to that company, right? That's where you start talking about like, what does this actually bring? So the, the further you dive in, the closer you get to mapping the value of communication and the enhanced communication that a network brings to what that business does as part of their objectives and what their goals are. And so we build networks, depending on how you talk about it, either just to connect things or all the way down into to meeting specific business needs uh, that that surround themselves around communication. I like it. I like thought. it. You know, I like it. You know, I, I think I would take a couple of takeaways, right? So um, we build networks to connect people to things. I think I might be paraphrasing there, right? People to things. Um, and I like it to add that the network's purpose is to get data from point A to point B 
at the right time. And I don't know how mm-hmm. else to articulate that, right? Like there's data and I'm not trying to be like technical. There's data. Uh, you could be zeros and ones. It could be bits and bytes if you want to talk about that, right? But you're getting something from point A to point B and it needs to be at that point B location so that it can be used at the right time. So if it gets there late, it's not going to be leveraged, right? It's not going to be needed or leveraged at the right time. Um, I'm thinking like like an example of something that needs to be there at the right time might be um, like a voice call, video, that traffic, right? Video may not be that big a deal. It's UDP, but you get the idea, I think, as an example. Um, something that's critical, right? Real-time data analytics, uh, real-time data feeds. You need that data there to make real-time decisions. If that's not there, you are going to make an incorrect decision. Um, well, I, I always think that if you take it to the extremes, you'll see why the value is there or why it's there. And so the, I always like using the extreme use cases only because they demonstrate it well. Um, being late as a high frequency trader is a bad, bad thing. It could be millions of dollars or billions of dollars, um, which I think is particularly relevant based off the timing of our conversation and all that's been going on in the stock market. But there's like, but the idea is, you know, like for them, timing is absolutely everything. Now, you know, you may not have such critical demands, right? Yes. It might just be that the email gets there by the time the meeting starts, in which case, okay, you know, it's a completely different set of business requirements that you're, that you're designing to. But really at the end of the day, like that's, that's what you're trying to figure out. And it got there, right? The email got there and it's used at the right time, right? But again, Mm -hmm. back to like the stock market example, right? I mean, if you're five minutes off, if that data doesn't get there, then uh, it's a five minute delay. I mean, that's a huge effect. I mean, like you said, there's a, there's a, there's an impact. <laughs> five minutes, <laughs> five seconds. And five seconds, be right? I, I went high, right? yeah. way high. Right? Um, okay. So, so now, now in those situations, like we're talking about the stock market and we're talking about email for like maybe a business that just needs email information constantly. Um, the network is, the network's going to have the same technologies, same solutions under the hood. Let's be vendor agnostic. I'm talking like, you know, they might have routing protocols and, and layer two configurations and et cetera, right? Um, but the purposes that those networks are there um, are a little different, right? There, there's different reasons the network is there. The underlying reason is it's supporting the business, right? It's it's a what a business enabler. That's a buzzword these days. Business enabler. Um, impacting the business. Uh, I don't know what other buzzwords I can throw out there. But what I'm trying to say is that the underlying goal of the network is still the same, but the 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 real implication there is how is it supporting the business is different. No, I think you're 100% right. I think that um, I think that where this, you know, where, where I think that we get into a bit of a mix up is, is different differentiation between technologies and the application of those technologies. So we have, I mean, I've had this conversation with Russ White a lot. Russ White is a big advocate for the idea that there's like, there's no such thing as a service provider network. There's no such thing as an enterprise network. There's just networks. Mm -hmm. And I would take that just a little bit further. And I'm always hesitant to ever extend or take away from something that Russ says, because he's a brilliantly smart guy. Right. But I, I, I don't completely agree with that statement and what I, what I don't, or where I do agree and where I think if we just added one word and that's networking technologies, So there's no such thing as a service provider networking technology. There's no such thing as an enterprise network technology. So oftentimes I'll use an example to help make it clear just in case someone doesn't, you know, doesn't fill in the blanks for themselves. We see something like MPLS, something we've used traditionally. And I'm not talking about MPLS, like me consuming an MPLS service. I'm talking about MPLS, like I'm adding tags to my traffic to create segments across my WAN. Um, MPLS is traditionally seen as a service provider technology, but at the end of the day, it wasn't built for service providers. It was built to solve a problem. It was built to maintain separation across a shared infrastructure, which is a, which is a problem that is universal in service providers. But we're finding out is actually pretty common in enterprises as well. Does that mean you should use MPLS? Maybe. It doesn't mean you absolutely should, but you should not disqualify it simply because it is a service yeah, provider I technology, which I think is... Right, which is why what I think is is the intent of what Russ says when he says those things. So I don't think I'm I'm going too far out of bounds from what he's trying to communicate. But at the end of the day, there is a difference between a service provider network, and enterprise network, because the needs of the network are wildly different, for the most part. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the reason why the networks are there are different, right? Like the, I mean, one is the business technically, right? A service provider, like the network, is yeah. the business, right? Like, I mean, if you don't have a <laughs> functioning network. You don't have a business, whereas uh, an enterprise, an enterprise organization, the network is kind of 
enabling the business, but it's not the business. The applications or the other functions within the business are actually the business. I'm thinking like like a SaaS is the easiest one I can say. If you have a software as a service, right? That those your services and your applications reside on top of that network. If that network has an issue, those applications and the services are affected. But that doesn't mean that the network is the business. The network is a function of the business and it provides availability and all the all the you know networking design fundamentals and principles high availability, scalability, that's what the network provides to the application or service or whatever you want to call it, resource. I like to call it resource these days because there's so many different terms. There's application and service and data and metadata. So I try to call it just resources on the environment. I think that, you know, I have zero notes uh, that reference Russ in what I want to talk about, but I'm going to bring him up two times in a row. So uh, apparently Russ is, is, is on my mind. But should anyway, have, We should have had him on the show. Um, <laughs> yeah, I probably should just include him in the conversation. Then I would have had to be really quiet because he's uh he he definitely have more to say about this than I would. But the uh the this idea that um that there are networks or businesses where the network is not part of part of their business, not part of their um their differentiation. So this is something that I actually vehemently disagree with Russ on. So I'm really stepping off the platform here and that, you know, uh, Russ advocates for the idea that there is a, um, that, that every business is an information business. And that if you are an information business, that your network matters because information needs to be communicated. And because of that, you can differentiate your business from others because of your network. And I get what he's saying, but it's, like there's just so many examples in my head of where that's not true. And so like, I don't know that if you're a plumber, you're going to differentiate your plumbing services from other plumbing services because of your network. <laughs> now there might be, there might be technology. And so when I say that the way you deal with customers, how you store customer information, how you reach out to customers, like your network is part of the chain that might allow you to differentiate but the technologies you use in the network, the network design, the network architecture, the thought that goes into it, I don't know that you can really differentiate yourself of whether you're using EIGRP or OSPF or IS to IS or BGP and whether you're in a hub and spoke topology versus a full mesh versus a part. Like those decisions don't equate to me to things that would differentiate one plumber from another. But I do think that the line goes a lot further down than what people have considered. I think that there is opportunities for the network to play a critical role in business and a lot of businesses that don't take advantage of that. And so I do think that there's a lot of businesses who sit in the middle here, who I think just go along with whatever um, the white paper design is, whatever the best practices that's communicated to them is, where the reality is if they would put some engineering time into thinking about how they utilize their network, they might find some ways to beat their competitors. Yeah. Right. And I think, and I think that, so I'm not sure where I sit on this spectrum. I, I, I'm not so far as Ross is to say that there is no spectrum, <laughs> <laughs> that, that every business is an information business and that, and that everybody can differentiate their business with their network. I think that the line is a lot lower uh, down the spectrum. It's not just high-end service providers who can differentiate themselves from other service providers. And it's not just people who like, the good example here is like a shipping company. Someone who ships has to track their stuff and something else. There's all kinds of like, there's all kinds of disparate information systems. And if you could combine them yeah. into one fundamental system, there could be a differentiator there. It's one that makes sense to me. Uh, my question is like your typical enterprise where they're using the network for email, they're using the information for to, to communicate stuff back and forth between a web app and databases and things like that. I don't know that the network can really provide them a differentiated value, but I think that there's an opportunity there to explore it in ways that we've never even looked at it. And the more that we become dependent on information, the more true that becomes. So I like a lot of what you just said, and I do like what Rice Russ says. Um, and this isn't supposed to be like a what yeah, Russ. I mean, we you know, could just Russ, call this the Russ White show. Yeah, yeah, yeah right, we're right. argue with Russ. <laughs> like I actually really like what Russ says. Now I, I think we have to put that in context a little bit, right? Russ is a very very smart person, and he's been doing this a lot longer than we have. Um, and I think <laughs> combined, like, I think yeah, combined. Right, right. Let's just be we're being fully real here. Um, yeah, I, I would say that he sees what everything is in a general sense um, and where things are going. And I think that what his statements is fairly accurate minus that there's going to be things that aren't fitting in that rule, right? There's going to be things like you said, a plumber or maybe an art, a carpenter, or I don't know what else, right? There's going to be things that aren't technical, aren't, aren't it or aren't 
data or you know whatever the wording you leverage i can't remember um but i think his comment outside of that is saying that all all infrastructure all all information sharing all information networks right all information companies that rely on data um in the simplest form that that network can become that that kind of conduit that that function to help you become better as a business to streamline things or, or whatever the wording you want to use and I think his comment is more about that and where things could go or where things should go, but not necessarily reality for these organizations. I think the reality is that the the businesses don't even understand what the network is in some cases. They, they, it's a cost center to them, right? It's not I agree with that. a business enabler, right? It's not helping the business. It's not uh, changing the, you know, evolving the business or changing the business. Um, in some places it is, right? Some some of the senior leadership in that business are making large changes because they've they've actually elevated the network, right? And, and so I, I'm going to go on a, a ramble or example, as I like to call it, a zig ramble. Example. Nice. Example. Do it. So um, I, I think if you go back like 10 years ago, 15 years ago, you'll see a lot of companies that elevated application teams. So that term is anything like application developers, software teams. It, it, like I worked at a few companies where we had a dedicated application team and they had a seat at the table and the network team or the infrastructure team never had a seat at the table. We were always like the guys that were added, sorry, I say guys, but the team that was added after the fact, right? We were added once a decision was made and now it's on us to figure it out. I think what is happening here with all of this, what we're talking about with the network is now the infrastructure team, the IT team as a whole is getting a seat at the table because the businesses are starting to realize how imperative all of IT is, not just networking, right? It's it's everything, right? And it all plays together, especially when we get into like zero trust architecture or enterprise-wide architecture and business architecture. It all it all plays together. And that's that's the end of my ramble. So <laughs> I, I I agree. I agree to a certain point. Um I think that there's still a lot of organizations where network and infrastructure specifically are still not having a seat at the table. Yeah. And I think there's a there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, but I think that, I think that we're seeing it more often. And I think a lot of the reason, I mean, just to be a, you know, here comes my cynical side a little bit, infrastructure is getting a seat at the table because they've kind of gotten in the way. And so we've, we've seen this traditionally where, you know, the application team has streamlined to the point where they can have, you know, uh, and like an MVP or a, a viable test or first rung product in, in measured in hours or days, and then when you need networking resources, it's measured in such a long times that we have to get them in early because they're going to be the long pole in the tent that's holding up everything to make it happen. I think as we shift around and are able to provide more value, we'll deserve the seat at the table a little bit more. Um, but I, I think that there's a bigger gap there. I think it's worth talking about because you mentioned something about like being a cost center. Uh, and so like, this is something I've, I've fought my entire, my entire life is because, I mean, like if you live in enterprise networking, I guarantee you it's, you're either there now <clears throat> or it's been the predominant, ex you know, example of your career is that when you go for budget or you go with an idea or you have something you want to do, it's analyzed like a thousand times more than when somebody who's like a developer team wants to go try something <laughs> or whatever, you know, like some, someone who, who is again, um, seen as a value to the organization rather than just a cost center. And I will start by saying this, and I think, you know, some people will like this. Um, that's not all on the networking team side, right? Like there's definitely both sides have some room to grow here. I think executives have been resistant to understand the value of networks. And I think that as that has happened, um, they've not been open even to people, you know, making a genuine attempt to demonstrate it. Uh, because they just don't understand what value it can provide to them as plumbing, yep, right? Exactly. And when, it's, exactly. When, it, when it's plumbing, you know, you don't bring the plumber into the executive boardroom when decisions are made. And that's just the way that it is. But talking about the fact that data and, and specifically information can be a differentiator in businesses, and we see that in applications, well, those applications have to communicate. There's no single server application that exists. And so the network and infrastructure team is part of that. And the faster that they can respond, you know, the, the better it is. And so there's some stuff that I think that networkers have to do to, to position themselves here that I think is something we've been largely resistant to do. 
right? And, and the first thing I think we have to do, and many engineers see this as something dirty, but it's 100% critical in finding support for your networking initiatives and gaining respect in your organization. And that is that you have to be a salesman. <laughs> so, <laughs> so people in sales, they know how to frame their product, which in our case here is the network that you have or the network that you want to build in terms that mean something to the business, right? Like you're never going to make a sale as a salesman if you can't connect your product or the thing that it does to a problem that that organization is having. They're not going to just throw money at you. And guess what? It's no different just because your team is internal. So you have to be a salesman, which means you have to be thinking about these things in terms of business value. We've mentioned this several times. We're meeting business objectives. And the reason why Zig and I communicate this way is because both of us operate at a level within our organizations where we're constantly talking with executives and decision makers and people who think this way. And we know what it takes, right, to be able to tie that piece of technology to the problem that the business is having, right? So at the end of the day, like this to me is the difference between an engineer and an architect, right? An engineer knows all the knobs. They know all the levers. They can configure like nobody's business. They can apply this technology and do it well. They can troubleshoot with the best of them, right? But the architect is the one who's able to draw the line and say, hey, this is our business problem. This is the thing we're trying to do. Here's the correct accumulation of technologies and configurations and devices and all of the things that we need to give ourselves a good solid standing to meet this particular initiative or to solve this particular problem, right? And so you need somebody playing that role. How many organizations have you been in that have no architect? They have nobody who's in that so role. Many. There's a big disconnect, yeah. right? Between between the people who are, who are deciding the initiatives and the people who are turning the knobs and middle management's one of the two. It's not, it's not the gap, right? Like, and I'm not, I'm not picking on middle management here. I'm just saying, this is my experience. Middle management's either an engineer who's been promoted and is struggling to, to, you know, get footing with the executive side, or it's an executive who's been placed over the top of an engineering team who couldn't tell you anything that his people are doing, but knows how to speak to the business. And so like we need, we, this bridge needs to be made and where that bridge is made though there's success in positioning the network as an enabler of the business rather than just as a cost center, right? That's the, that's the big thing. And I think the, uh, the second thing is, is it's a communication problem, right? The second thing is we need to know our audience when we're talking to the business, yep. right? We need to be able to speak their language. And again, where I point out the fact that this is a two-sided issue, I think it's 2021. It's fair to point out to our CEOs, our CTOs, our CIOs, our CSOs that they have to be able to speak tech. Now, I don't expect them to be, you know, IE level competency in deploying routers. Get and switch. in the command line. Get in the command line. Go. Yeah. No. Right. But when I when I say router or switch, their eyes should not roll in the back of their head. Their business is dependent upon this equipment, and if you were talking about vehicles, their eyes don't roll in the back of their head. If you're talking about if you're talking about buildings or land, their eyes don't roll in the back of their head. Guess what? IT infrastructure, just as critical. They got to know what it is. So that's on them. But we also need to speak their language. We need to know, you know, what are the financial incentives for this company? Like, because sometimes it's not just about the best tech. Sometimes it's about making the best decision mm -hmm. with what our restraints are. If we're hemorrhaging money because our business is failing, Proposing the most expensive solution on the market is not going to earn you respect. But if you come in and say, I recognize where we're at. I think we can meet our needs with this. It's not the most ideal solution, but I'm trying to bridge the gap between where we're at and what I know we need. They're going to listen to you. And so some of it's a communication component too. Yes. Yeah, so I, I, there's a lot there, right? To unpack. Um, and I think there's a lot of points for everyone to take away. So hopefully you all are taking that away as network engineers. A um, couple things that I would add as just caveats, not caveats, um, additional information for myself. Um, 
So, so when you're in this position and I'm sure most of us, if not all of us will be in a position like this at some point where, you know, we have the technology, we know the technology in and out and we love our technology. If I go back 10 years ago, 15 years ago, I don't even know what, when it was, I remember talking to a, a CIO at my company that I was working at. And I remember him telling me, you have to focus on the business. Zig. You have to focus on the business. And I would tell him, no, the business sucks. I care about the technology. I care about my, <laughs> my heart, ones man. and zeros and my EIGRP and my OSPF, my BGP. I don't care about the business. And here now I'm telling you to care about the business, right? So, so what I'm specifically saying here is you don't need to know everything about the business. You don't need to know every language, no. every term, right? But you need to know how to take your solutions, your technical solutions, and explain the business impact and why the business needs that solution. And then explain what would happen if they didn't get that solution. What would happen to the business if they didn't get that NAC solution, that network access control solution? If they're you know, having some sort of regulatory compliance and they need a NAC solution to be compliant, you have to talk to them and tell them in their speak at a high level. They don't care if you're running Cisco ICE or whatever other NAC solutions out there or, or 802.1X or PEEP and MSChat version 2. They don't care about that. They don't need that. They need to know what is the impact to the business, to them, um, to, to, stay in, to stay afloat, to stay a business, to stay productive and, and profitable. Um, mm -hmm. And then my next thing on, on all of that, and I'm going to miss points, but so that was that like... Um, you got to be able to tell the business the why, the impact, but then also you have to build trust with your executives and it's not going to be easy. It's, I mean, 100%. It's, it's not going to be a quick process, right? You're going to get an organization and I've been there and I'm sure Jordan's been there and that's the whole point. Like the executive team hates IT. Like they hate IT. And the application development team, they asked us for new things and we said it's going to take three months. They said, screw you, we're going to the cloud and we're going to go instantiate our application in the cloud today because we can do that with cloud, right? AWS or Azure or whatever, right? Then um, there's associated uh, bad things that happen based on that cost and whatnot that hit the business. But the point I'm trying to make is... Um, you have to build the trust, right? You have to show them the value and build that trust with the executive staff. And that trust is going to get you in the door. That trust is going to get you to tell them why they need things. So, so Zig, you're reading my notes. I don't see um, it. It's hilarious because, yeah, because <laughs> no, it's true. So trust is, is one of those critical things. The amount of times um, like this is just so common for me uh, when I've gone into an organization as a consultant. And I'm going in for a particular project or a particular initiative. Like, obviously, you know, they don't just call us to come in and sit down and have a conversation. They call us because they want something, right? And so you go in, you start having conversations, you know, you sit down and everybody talks together and then you, you go and you spend some time with the engineering team to kind of have an understanding of what is there. I made it a habit that I would ask the engineering team, what are things that you're trying to get done right now that are not getting any footing whatsoever? Because you know what would happen if I said it, it would happen. And it wasn't so that like we would get, you know, more money or whatever. I was actually trying to look out for these teams because they had not built that trust and they actually needed things done. Yeah. And so me as a consultant, I come in with immediate trust because that's what you're paying hundreds of dollars an hour for me to be in there. There's an inherent trust. And so like, if I look at that and you say, oh, you're trying to do that. And, the, at, and I look at your network and I say, absolutely, that needs to be done. And I can just, you know, put my finger on the scale a little bit and mention that maybe you should start considering this. Uh, it does a couple of things. Well, one is a consultant helps build rapport with an engineering team. Yep. So th that's a good strategy if you're a VAR guy, um, you know, like if you're going in or if you work at a vendor, right? Like if, if you can help them get something done that they need done because there's an inherent level of trust with your relationship and obviously don't violate that trust. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is if they have a good thing that they want and they're just not getting the traction, you can you can help, you know, free things up. But um, But the other side of it is, I think that there's just so much of this lack of communication and this lack of trust between executives and whatever. You mentioned the cloud thing. The cloud is a great example. Let's talk about the cloud example yeah. because this was the thing. So this was, you know, shadow IT was another word oh, that yeah. was that was used for it. This idea that these organizations said, okay, I can go to the business 
And the business will be all in on the idea. The executives are not going to be the one who stands in the way. I'm going to get the funding that I need, but then I'm going to send it to my IT organization. And it's going to take them six months to deliver something that I consider relatively easy. Whereas I can go and I can pay for a SaaS application or I can go and I can build something in, in, you know, infrastructure as a service, whether that's Amazon or Azure or wherever, and I can have this thing up and running in a week, (laughs) right? And so I have the choice of doing it internally or I have the choice of going and doing it my own way in companies without discipline and without, you know, things in place to stop that from happening. It happened in a big way. Now, there's a couple of things that happen here. One is a lack of trust because people didn't understand why it was taking all that time. Some of it is just a complete lack of being responsive to the business on IT side. That's your own fault. Like you need to be better at being responsive to the business. But also some of it is the business doesn't understand the value of what you're doing in that six months. Right. And so what we've learned then is we have all the shadow IT and all of a sudden we go, we have an audit <laughs> and someone comes in and how are you protecting your traffic to your apps? And the IT infrastructure team puts out this beautiful map of all of the security components and all of the things that they're looking at. And and then the auditor goes, well, we just talked to this team over here and they have an application at AWS and the secure and the, and the team is sitting there like with their hands up in the air, like I had no idea. <laughs> and then you find out that that application has been talking to some sort of internal database or, you know, pulling some sort of data database out to syncing it out there. And there's like all of these things that I've seen over and over and over again um, because of this lack of trust. Now, if the business understood the value of that security posture, if they understood the risk, as you said, like this is what happens if we don't have it. And then you say, but because of that, it takes X amount of time longer to execute tasks than if we just do them without this. Then the business has some context about why it's taking you longer. And rather than just seeing you as suddenly as a bump in the road to accomplishing a goal, they say, you're looking out for the strategic initiatives and interests of this company by securing our data by ensuring that we have redundant paths, making sure that we have resiliency and all of these things that are important to us. But that obviously comes at a cost, just like anything else. And so you can have a, you can have a business value conversation with your executives if you have trust. But if you just do it, if you're just, if you're just the person who's in the way, or if you can't speak their language or all the things that we've mentioned in the past 15 minutes, which by the way, is like my guess Anywhere between 75 and 85%, if I had to put a number on it, of organizations that are in this state where the IT teams do not have the trust of the executive team, not to a degree where they're at the table all the time. It is not that common. It's becoming more common, right? It's becoming more common because we have convergence and all the other things that are happening, but it's not all that common. And so these are things that we need to do. Because otherwise you end up in these projects yeah, <laughs> where now yeah. all of a sudden we have to, all of a sudden we have to reclaim all this stuff that's in AWS or, you know, in 27 different places and we have to figure out how to bring it all back together. And the company ends up spending a lot more to do the work three, four times, however many times it takes. Well, then you get the I think bill, it's just, it's you get the cloud bill things. too, right? And, and they're using the wrong data store or database. Oh, cloud's you know, it's, always cheaper, Zig. Yes. What are you talking about? It's just so much easier just throw in the cloud. It's so much cheaper. It's so much easier for the application team to you know wash their hands of it. And then it you know goes in the cloud. And they don't, <laughs> they don't remember about that bill that they're not paying right now, right? They go 30, 30 days or three months and then they get that bill. So, And then I've been in instances where that bill goes to the IT department. Like... What is this? Oh yeah. <laughs> like they're like, well, it's cloud. Like your network, it's got IPs, it's yours. And uh no, this is this is the application team. They did this. We don't have anything in the cloud. <laughs> um so <laughs> I think this is like you said, this is where most probably enterprises are at, right? They're not eighty percent, seventy five percent. I don't know the right number, right? Because I don't talk to everyone. Yeah, I'm throwing I'm picking world. numbers out of my hat, but yeah. you know, like the it's based off of a lot of experience. So I'm probably not that far off. No, I, I would agree, right? Um I would definitely agree. And I do see the people like they go to the cloud because it, that initially the application team's like, Yes, that's what we're gonna do. And then within six months everything's back on prem. And then you as the network team, network architect, are trying to figure figure everything out again like you're and now you're you know working nights and weekends to make it happen um and you're trying to figure it all out i'm telling you it's it's real i've been there no so <laughs> so some of the cases where it takes forever to build something out like if, if a development team has a new application or whatever you know the reason it takes forever is because we don't have the resources like in my experience we don't have the, the storage or we don't have the compute and we have to go get the money so it's there's a process to get new money process to order equipment get it 
you know, shipped, delivered, racked, configured, all the stuff that you would normally do, tested, onboarded. And then once it's actually running, then you can give it to the application team. Well, that stuff doesn't happen overnight, right? It doesn't just poof and it's up and running. Um, that's not how it well, was but before. I mean, so. th- this is where cloud has its value, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, when you, when you talk about this from an organizational standpoint, like if you really are working towards, you know, the business objectives and you recognize the fact that you run a lean infrastructure, as in you don't maintain a lot of extra capacity to meet immediate needs, then you need to be sitting down with your executives and talking about cloud and say, yes, ramp up on cloud is more expensive. Data transfer in and out of cloud is expensive. There's a lot of things that cost more money, but what you get is agility. So why don't we build an infrastructure that gives us the tools that we need to secure it so that when this request comes in, we can initially deploy on cloud for testing and validation, make sure that everything works the way that we want it to. And then we can make a decision you know, at the beginning of this project, like where do we want this thing to ultimately live? And so this is now you showing up and saying, I'm going to give you options. I can give you the quick option. I can give you the agile option. We can build an infrastructure to do this where we don't have to wait for sourcing hardware so we can run lean. That's fine. Like it's completely understandable to want to run lean, but then you have to have your outlet for quick response or you need your executives on board to understand that all projects take a long time. Well, yeah, you need need funding, right? You need buy-in for the funding of that, right? And having that that structure and and the offloading if you're using a cloud provider temporarily or if you're building your own private cloud environment, right? Like internally. But then eventually you're going to hit those thresholds and you need to to get the replacement hardware or the replacement resources so that the the executive staff needs to be on board, right? They need to be on board with this and understand what's going to happen if you build out a new application, new service, whatever. Um, you have to understand what, what the implications are there for sure. So I'm, I'm laughing internally because, uh, the, the postmortem on the Slack outage that <laughs> happened when everybody went back to work. I don't know if you've read that yet, but, um, it, so, you know, everyone comes back to work after the new year and, and Slack goes out day one on the January 4th, I think it was, or whatever, yes, it was. whatever that Monday was. And, uh, and like so many people have become so dependent on Slack for communications internally that, it stops business when it's not there for a lot of people. Um, and you know, a lot of people pointed fingers at Slack to begin with, but it turns out and Slack still owns some responsibility in this. So I'm not trying to take that away, but it turns out it was limitations in the cloud. And so to me, this is ultimate validation that cloud really is just someone else's computer and that the idea of infinite scalability is laughable. (laughs) Obviously their scalability is immense. Um, but you have to understand, I mean, this is more just a design consideration, right? You have to understand what the limits even of cloud are. And by the way, oh, you need more transit gateway resources that doesn't come up at a at a snap of the fingers. And so Slack tried to add like like a thousand plus servers all at once to one region. <laughs> and it turns out transit gateway doesn't scale that fast that quick. So uh so they were they were down for quite a while. So while the the problem was somewhat Amazon's, it was Amazon's capability to scale. Um and again, keep in mind that if we were trying to do this in the enterprise, that type of scalability would take months. We're talking about them taking hours, but that's a whole other yep. thing. Yep. Um, yeah, but Slack in their in their consideration, it, you know, they hadn't considered that. So it's an interesting use case. I'm laughing because we say use that for the for the high agility. You don't have to source hardware. Well, <laughs> yeah. You can blow that up too if you get to a particular size. Well, I mean, it, again, it, I think you got to boil it all back down to what I call business priorities, and and what are your priorities, and is is every the every decision that you're making, design decision, networking decision, purchasing decision, is it mapping to one of those business priorities? And there's a whole framework, right? There's priorities, there's drivers, there's outcomes, there's capabilities, and then there's eventually solutions. And I'm not trying to get into a weeds of what I would call it business architecture, enterprise architecture, and what I've termed as consultative leadership. But the whole point is that there's a reason why you do everything. There has to be a reason. Um, and it has to tie back to the business, right? So if, uh, for me, if that's, the, if that's the only thing that's taken away out of this show today is that, well, Jordan's great. So that should be number one, right? Jordan's awesome. Network Collect is awesome. But, <laughs> Come on. <laughs> but, but, um, is that everything needs to be tied back to the business, Right, we're gonna bridge the technology and the business. We're gonna help with that. Even if you're a network engineer, network designer, network architect, you're gonna help. Right, part of that's that's the role. Right, you're gonna bridge technology and business over your career. That's what you're gonna do. Um, but it comes back. Every decision you make has to come back to the business. I did not know that. So just so I, I did no. not know that. 
No, I mean, that's true. Like, so when I started, that was something I definitely had never even considered, right? I looked at technology as this is fun because it's technology. This is fun because, you know, well, you know, my origins were uh, exploring some of the uh, darker color hats of security when I was a kid sitting in my, you know, in my bedroom at home when I was a teenager, um, just loving technology and loving understanding how it works and loving the the knobs and the, and the, and the things and being able to make it do what what I wanted it to do. And that was the fun. But the reality is, is that when you make it a career, just like so many other things, the career component changes the dynamic. It's no longer a hobby. It's no longer about the technology. It's about, it's about, you know, why, why, why is someone writing you a check for this? Right. At the end of the day, why is someone writing you a check to do this? And they're writing you a check because they need technology to meet their business needs. And so I'm going to sum up what you just said in kind of just one sentence. And that is it infrastructure should be strategic. Um, Every decision is hundred percent. Yeah. I love it. I love that. That's uh, that's great. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. There's your bumper uh, sticker. Yeah, that's a bumper sticker. We're going to just paste it. It's going to go right on my forehead. Bam. <laughs> <laughs> um, did we hit every note, man? I, I know we, we've I gone around, so. right? I think we've hit every note, so I would kind of just open it up. Do you have any last minute suggestions, uh, recommendation? I, I kind of just tee it up like that. So recommendations, yeah. any, anything for the network engineers that are out there today that listening. So uh, I'll get there in a second. I, I think there's one more, I think just general idea um, that I, I've kind of, um, I continue to consider and ponder this and I, I, I've yet to find it to not be true. And I find that network engineering is splitting one of two ways, right? We see, we're seeing a bifurcation in our industry. This conversation is relevant to everybody where the network matters. And so we had this conversation about before, where is the network a differentiator? This conversation was wholly irrelevant to the plumber office who doesn't care about design, right? And so what we're seeing, and I don't want to pick on it because it's not necessarily wrong, um, but where we pick, we look at something like Cisco Meraki, right? Cisco Meraki has a very prescribed way of doing networking. And if you follow their prescription, it's going to work incredibly well, but you're never going to differentiate yourself. You know what I'm saying? It's just going to be the solution that's going to maybe answer some of the questions you have, give you uh, the fundamental uh, components that, that you need uh, to do it, but you're never going to differentiate yourself because they give you a prescription on how to build your network. And so in this, I think there are companies that are like the Meraki companies, again, not picking on them. I think it's completely legitimate. If you're a plumber's office, that's all you need, right? And then there's the companies where IT can be a differentiator, in which case you need this architecture way of thinking. You need to be strategic. You need to be doing the things that we've just spent the past, I don't know, 40 some odd minutes, now 50 plus, um, talking about. Um, right. To, to talk about, you know, how to be strategic, how to partner with the executives in our organization so that they understand what value we bring, uh, how to communicate well with them, uh, how to tie what you're doing to, to business priorities. Like all that stuff is critically important if you sit in that other container and that other container is getting bigger by the year, right? Like the, the, the numbers of places where information is critical and key, as part of their business and their strategy and the way that they go forward and bring their products and services and everything else to market, like y- you need to be thinking about these things. Yeah. So now I'm going to add something, right? Because that's what happens. Uh, we have these, go these for back it. and forth. So, you know, I, I agree with everything you said, right? Like, but I would add additional statement here that the network is becoming an unstated requirement. And I can't emphasize that enough. It's something I've been saying for a while. The network is becoming an unstated requirement. What do I mean by that? Your companies, your businesses are not going to tell you what level of availability, scalability, flexibility, reliability, resiliency, whatever whatever fundamental and principle network design and, and uh, you know term you want to throw out there. They're not going to come out and tell you that anymore. Like nine times out of 10, if not more than that, you as a network engineer, as a network designer, as a network architect are going to have to figure that out. You're going to have to understand the business, understand those requirements, those constraints, those drivers, and then associate whatever level of availability, whatever level of resiliency that you can at the correct metrics. Those metrics being cost, resources, time, etc. Right? The cost might be a huge factor. Maybe you only have a million dollars versus, you know, if you wanted to do the solution you wanted to do, you would need five million dollars, right? So you only have a million dollars, so you have to do something less, um, less preferred, but still hit the mark, right? You still have to hit the availability mark, the scalability marks, right? But again, the clear thing is that these the business isn't telling you what those are anymore. You have to actually dig in, 
ask the questions and figure out what those levels are. And I'll end with, again, a network is an unstated requirement. Think of Netflix. Think of every business that has a network today is going to start becoming an unstated requirement. Just try to imagine your business without one. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> like, if, what if happens you wanna, if you want to see whether or not it's important? You know, imagine your your business without one. How long can they live? How long will they survive without one? Is it is it you know? Because most of them would, most people would answer that. I think if you asked ex- executives, I think this is changing. They would say hours. Um, but the reality is, this is minutes. It's minutes, man. Like it's minutes. <laughs> they start feeling pain, like the moment that it's not available to them, and so, uh, so yeah, it, it is an unstated requirement. That's absolutely true. So I have some customers that will say, "Hey, you know," so think of think of uh, analog phones. Like, I mean, I don't think any most of us probably don't have those, right? We had a an analog phone line in the house when I was growing up, right? I do not remember that phone line never not working. If I picked up that phone, I got a dial tone, right? It worked. I don't, maybe it didn't work at some times, but I don't remember it not working, right? It was rare. Yeah. It was very rare. Well, transition transition that to VoIP running on networks. And how often does, does a VoIP system go down? I've had customers say, my VoIP system should just be like my analog system. It should never go down. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. That, that tells you right there what level of availability you need. I mean, that tells you what level of resiliency and reliability. Those are the kind of things that you have to get out of your your organization, your customers, depending on where you work, right? If you work at a VAR, you're going to be talking to customers. You got to get that information out of them. Yep. Very true. All right. So back to that question I asked before our, our back last to the question. rant, right? Um, what recommendations, if any, would you give to everyone listening? Um, go ahead. So I, you know, <laughs> it's going to sound a little bit self-serving, but I'm going to tell you, um, conversations like this are incredibly valuable. And so I just want to share some of the, um, not to self-promote even more, but the idea of why I started Network Collective is because I wanted to extract these types of conversations that I was having at conferences and I was having with people that I met in person in the industry and make them public. And so the only reason why I bring this up is I think that consuming conversations like this is valuable because it gives you perspective. You're, you're getting to learn from somebody else who's, who's lived through a different set of experiences. You only know what you know. And so all that to say, if you're listening to this, you probably already subscribe to Zig, but if you don't, you need to, right? And I'm, I'm not even talking to myself. There are so many great content creators who are out there who are trying to help give you for a lot of them for free. Mm-hmm. their perspective and experience so you can grow as an engineer. And so if you're like the grizzled senior guy, you can choose whether or not you listen to this or not because, you know, we you could have been on this conversation too and contributed just as much as either of us. But if you're coming up in your career, surround yourself with smart people, listen to stuff like this. This really does sound self-serving. No, it's no, it's, it's, not it's only community. is Network Collective is good, but me as a smart person, like this is, but, it, but you get the idea. Um, listen to smart people, people who have a lot of experience, because I think that um, that was one of the things that I was missing uh, early in my career. I didn't have those perspectives. And I think it slowed my career down a bit. Like you can, you can get an extra step ahead by learning from others who've taken the path before you. And so it's cool. It's cool that you're listening to this, but continue, I guess is really what I'm saying. Well, so I would just say like, like this information's important, I think. And I would highlight a whole bunch of things in a minute. So I will. Um, this is going to save you from making mistakes, right? And it's going to save you time. Mm-hmm. It's going to save you money. It's going to save you uh, headaches. Embarrassment. It's like, yeah, there's a whole bunch, right? Hearing what people talk about on these shows, like today's show, like this show, is going to save you so much. Yeah, it's an hour, 30 minutes, uh, whatever it is, an hour and a half, right? I mean, these shows... Network Collective, Packet Pushers, uh, Art of Network Engineering. If you don't know that one, mm-hmm. I definitely follow that one too, right? Um, that one's fairly new. It started just last year and they've got a huge following now. Uh, mine, right? Obviously Zigbits, but you're again, if you're listening now, you're probably already following it, <laughs> uh, right? But there's it, more. And it's six, yeah, it Network Freestyle. Like, and, there's, and there's honestly, there's too much to consume. I mean, just to be honest, like you don't need to consume absolutely everything from absolutely everyone, except Network Collective. You need to listen to every <laughs> single episode from them. But um, but but no, like you don't need to consume every single one from for every single thing from every single one, but make it part of your regular routine because it will make you a better engineer. Yeah, I would just say pick out what makes sense to you, right? What, what you feel is interesting interesting and what's going to benefit you and, and pick out and, and focus on that. It's just too much to consume. That's the truth, right? <laughs> Everyone's doing a podcast episode every week and it's 52 weeks a year. I mean, 52 new shows for mine show. And if you add it up, you got four or five shows I just listed. I mean, that's a lot of episodes to listen to. 
<laughs> it is. A lot. It used to be a lot easier, right? Like when we all were commuting and we all did whatever. So I mean, that was that was what I did. Is I I was I either listen to audiobooks or I listen to podcasts as I commuted. Uh, I worked from home for the most part, but I traveled. So when I commuted, like I'd have a backlog. And yep, it's like I'm going to go jump on a plane. I'm going to fly across the country. I've got many hours. Like we should you know use this time to consume stuff. Um, and that's been away for the past year. So I've actually had to be super intentional about trying to get back into that. Uh, and, and listening to stuff because my audio consumption dropped way down. And I know I did for everybody else because I watch my numbers at network. <laughs> Everyone went down. Slow down too. Everyone went down. Uh, but, uh, but no, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, even for me, I mean, I've been doing, like I said, at the top of the show, doing this for 20 years, I still listen and I listen because there's value. I listen because there's uh, experience that I can extract and it makes me smarter, even though I've been doing this as long as I have. Yeah, man. Yeah. We just said it. We just, you know, <laughs> we just said it. So, um, <laughs> yeah. hey, Jordan, man, I appreciate you, buddy. Uh, got you on the show finally. Uh, you know, we got to have you back soon, though. That's my opinion. I got to get you back. We got to find another topic. Absolutely. Show, so. I love this, man. Like all the pressures off of me. I don't have to manage the the hosting stuff. I don't have to manage the flow. Like, like it's it, you wouldn't think it would be that difficult. And it's really not. So I'm not trying to aggrandize it. But it, hey, like, it is just sitting here. Like, it's a lot of work. Yeah, over here. like just like, <laughs> but it's just nice to kind of be like, hey, like I get to just get to share my opinion. That's, this is this is new. This is something I haven't done in a long time. So I will. I'm going to take you up on that because I yeah. enjoy this. It's a nice uh, it's a nice release valve, right? Of not having to to be responsible for everything. It's the fun stuff. You know, it's the fun stuff. It's, it is. Uh, it's why we do what we do. I mean, the, the podcast stuff on the side, doing the hosting and everything, it's a lot of work. It's a lot yeah, of work, it's, man. It's all the back stuff. It's not the actual recording. It's all the, it's all all the, the back end whatever. Stuff. And you're exhausted by the time you get there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, one last thing. Where can people find you on the interwebs? Yeah, so um, I'm I'm connected on social media. I'm not hard to find. So I'm at BC Jordan on Twitter. If you're looking for me at Network Collective, it's at Net Collective PC on Twitter. Uh, that's where I have most of my ad hoc conversations. So if you're on Twitter, please come follow me and actually talk to me. Like, don't just follow me and then like ignore me because <laughs> I would like to have conversations. I love engaging with engineers about engineering stuff or whatever. I have some other hobbies too. Um, so uh, we can we can talk about that stuff. Uh, you can find. Uh, network collective we mentioned it before networkcollective.com uh we're on youtube with our live streams um well actually we're everywhere with our live streams you can find us on twitch you can find us on facebook you can find us all those places wherever you consume your live streams we're there i don't know that that's a good decision that may be changing um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but it's there so uh so we'd love to have uh, anyone who wants to come join us it's wednesdays at 8 p.m eastern um so if if you're you know that's tough for europe um, but here in the U.S., if you want to come join us for a live stream, that'd be awesome. We do lots of fun uh, games, talk about networking stuff, do demos, that kind of stuff. And then, uh, and then, yeah, I'm on LinkedIn as well, so you can find me there, like wherever. Like, I mean, if there's a social network, I'm probably on it. I'm already on Clubhouse. Are you on Clubhouse yet, Zig? Uh, I am. Um, I'm on the waiting list. I didn't get a spot though. So. Oh, do I need to send you an invite? Yeah, if you I want to send me an invite, sure. No, I got. I I've got an wait. invite. Yeah, you got to shoot me which email you want. Let me shoot you an invite at. But I'm not, like, I'm on there. I don't know how if I'm going to use it for anything. <laughs> right. But I'm I reserved there. my name, man. I was like, I got Zig Ziga done. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, and uh, I I got a notification the other day, an email that someone had followed me on Ello. Ooh. I don't know if you remember Ello. It was all the hype like two or three years ago. Super exclusive. Had to get invites, and then it just never went never anywhere. Went I'm anywhere. like, oh, apparently that account's still out there. So if you're on Ello and still using it, you can find me there. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. Well, um, just for everyone else listening, I'll have all of uh, Jordan's links in the show notes, and I'll also have all of Network Collective links in the show notes, so you can go, you can go follow. Jordan and Network Collective and Tony over there as well. Um, and, you know, jump in their Slack like and talk. Like he said, like there's an open door policy here. Like talk, say hi, have a conversation. Don't feel scared or, or any of those imposter, imposter syndrome feelings or whatever. Just talk to us. Like that's, that's have a conversation. So absolutely. <laughs> Jordan, once again, I appreciate you, man. Thanks so much. I, I had a lot of fun. And, and until next time, I will talk to you soon, buddy. All right. Sounds good. Thanks for having me on. Hey, friends, nerds, geeks, and ziglets. That's going to close out today's episode of the ZigBits Network Design Podcast, where we highlighted why we build networks in network engineering with Jordan Martin from Network Collective. Make sure you follow Jordan and Network Collective on Twitter, uh, Facebook, LinkedIn to see what else he's working on. Today's show notes will be at zigbits.tech. And all relative resources and links will be on that page so you can access them super quick and easy. Hey, uh, in case you didn't know, we're doing another awesome, outstanding giveaway this month. 
this month we are focused on automation, programmability, and so our Zigbits February 2021 giveaway bundle includes DevNet, DevOps, Python, DevNet Associates, and so much more. To see all of the specific details of this giveaway and to get yourself entered into it, simply go to zigbits.tech giveaway. Now remember, this will be the link for all of our Zigbits giveaways moving forward. If there is something you would like us to give away, if you have an idea, uh, something that you want to see, let, let us know. You're starting to plan our March, April, and May giveaway items right now. If you want to have a live network design conversation right now today, hey, you could join the Zigbits Discord community. There are a ton of highly skilled experts ready to help you with your network design questions. Like we can jump on whiteboards and audio calls and really just kind of talk about design. Uh, again, this is a, a community-based Discord channel server just for this community. It's free. You can join it and have live conversations with me and fellow network designers, and we'll help you every way we can. Hey, that link to that Discord is uh, zigbits.tech slash Discord. If you didn't know, we are creating a network design course. If you want to hear more about this course and, and the weekly status updates that we send out every week, you can join the mail the email list at zigbits.tech slash network design, all one word. Now remember, this is a vendor agnostic, certification agnostic course. And like I always say, what does that truly mean? What does agnostic truly mean? That means it's not tied specifically to a vendor or a certification. It can be used for those, of course, but it's not specifically tied to those. And that's the benefit of this course. Again, if you want to hear more about that course, get those weekly emails, knowing what we're doing, you can go to zigbits.tech slash network design to sign up to that email list. Hey friends, if you liked today's episode, if it inspired you, resonated something within you, or provided a level of real world context, let me know. You can find Zigbits on all of the socials, that's Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook, just by searching for Zigbits, and we'll have the links in the show notes. You can also send me an email at zig at zigbits.tech. As always, I appreciate you and thank you for listening. Don't forget to attack your goals, attack the day, attack your life, and make progress, my friends. Until next time, bye for now.